1: Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian.
0: Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from howstuffworks.com.
2: Hi, and welcome to the show. I'm Scott. I'm Ben. We are here with uh, our super producer, Noel Deathproof Brown, and as always, that means you are tuned in to Car Stuff.
3: Yeah, and we're going to talk about a very interesting character today. It's not—it's uh, not a hero. It's not a legend. It's not part mm. of our legend series or anything like that. But yeah. um, this is something different. It's something that was in the news. Uh, I guess it'd be late July, early August uh-huh. when this was kind of making the rounds in the blogs and you know, the car sites and stuff. And Ben, you, you wrote an article about this for our How Stuff Works Now program, right? Or Mm -hmm. for the site and even a a short video, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, What we're talking about today, ladies and gentlemen, is a character named Graham. So let's, maybe let's set the scene first, right, Scott? Uh, We live in amazing times. What a time to be alive. You know, With the invention of the automobile, the ability to travel from one part of the world or your country to another uh, became all of a sudden feasible for more and more of humanity, because, you know, for thousands of years before, people could live and die easily within 25 miles of where they were born. Oh, sure. It was very accessible now. And oh, we can't ignore, of
3: course, the airplane as well. Right. and the airplane sh- shortly thereafter. But mm-hmm. today we'll focus on cars. But you're right. Yeah. Cars really brought people well together and apart.
2: Right. Spot on and enabled this astonishing opportunity that very few people before had ever had the ability to travel long distances. So in just a comparatively brief span of time, this ability to travel has uh, skyrocketed, has accelerated and escalated so precipitously. And it seems set to continue, not just in um, not just in air travel, but also in the world of auto manufacturing in 2015 alone us auto manufacturers sold 17.5 million cars and light trucks and that smashed a record that had stood for 15 years so not only are we still making cars we're still buying them and we're making more and these cars are getting smarter and smarter long-time listeners you guys know that scott and i have talked about this often Sometimes the the good side, where they save lives, and sometimes, like, I don't know if I want to call it the bad side, but the sort of the eye-rolling hassle side, which is the regulations can increase the cost of cars and the weight and can be a bummer. Uh, tremendously.
3: I mean, we find out that, you know, all the stuff that a car has to have in order for it to be road legal these days mm-hmm. requires it to be just... Basically, I mean, just, we could just say it. It's, it's typically out of the reach of most people to buy a brand new car without extending their credit extending themselves, you know, working overtime in order to be able to pay for that new vehicle, tightening um, the belt. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's just the way it is. It's a, it's a, what's the average price of a new sedan now? That's what we always uh, yeah set like the the bar at, right? It's the,
2: over a uh, thirty two thousand now. I, I
3: thought it was around thirty four thousand or yeah. somewhere around. Yeah, there, it's I around thirty four. It's, it's, it's I pretty think. high, but that's just your average basic four door sedan.
2: Yeah, that's nothing fancy. No of, blue ribbons of, on that one. Of
3: course, there's the high end, and then there's the low end. The low end somewhere. At low, I don't even know what the, the, the lowest price vehicle is these days, but mm-hmm. it's still relatively high when you look at, uh, you know, um, I guess where cars were even right. 15 years ago.
2: Absolutely. And one of the reasons that there's so much drive toward this increasingly sophisticated, uh, assembly of systems is because we as a species are trying to save lives. There's a dark side to this astonishing progress. And that dark side can be measured in absolute concrete numbers. Uh, Scott, you did a, um, a fascinating, and no offense, man, but somewhat somewhat dark prediction that was absolutely accurate. Uh, do you remember? I
3: do remember. That was a, a death toll on Georgia roads last year, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think it was last year we were
2: talking about this. Yeah, and it was toward the um, – we were – toward the earlier end of the year
3: yeah and all i did was just take the math and just ran it consistent throughout the 12 months and ended up with a number that was very very close to what it ended up being at the end of the year and uh, it was very high i think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 1400 in georgia mm-hmm. alone on georgia roads and i know if you go to a state like texas uh the, the fatality rate goes up like by, by double i mean it's 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 probably already that much there uh, mm-hmm. And we're only halfway through the year, or slightly more than halfway through the year. Um, so the bigger the state, I guess, the more people are driving, the more. Um, oh, how do they they measure it? Uh, like millions of miles traveled? Or yes. Something yeah. Like that. We um, we
2: have the metric. Yeah.
3: Yeah. We'll have that in, the, in a little bit. But um, yeah, there's a there's just staggering numbers of of roadway fatalities. And every time I say this, someone says ah, it's not not as bad as it used to be. And there's a whole bunch of uh, different ways to look at this and, and run the stats. I know that. Um, a lot of people can bend the stats to make it fit their sure. need or whatever. These yeah. are just, just, we're just giving them the numbers here today. That's all. We're not going to argue stats today.
2: Right. Nor the methodology, but we, we can tell you, uh, for instance, the year before in 2014, some of the closest numbers we could get from the NHTSA, uh, over that year. Over 2014. They, over 2014 in the U.S., there were 32,674 accident related fatalities. And this is despite, this is despite, again, um, safer and safer cars, right? Uh, This is despite the engineers at automotive uh, manufacturing plants around the globe working, in some cases, literally around the clock to create a car that can save a life. But this brings us to Today's, this, this long backstory brings us to, um, the, the question we're exploring today and a question that was asked by an artist named Patricia, uh, Piccanini. She asked, what if we're looking at this, this problem the wrong way? What would happen if instead of adapting cars to protect our relatively fragile squishy bodies, what if we tried to adapt people to
3: survive in cars? So, like, to to adapt to the reality of what happens behind the wheel when you get in an accident. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, what would, what would need to take place? What would be the, uh, uh, the, the level of protection you need in, say, your head or your, your torso?
2: Right. Uh, right. I get it. Okay. And so, could, could there be a biological solution to that, essentially?
3: Well, see, at this point, you'd have to, you'd have to construct a human in order to, to do this. You can't, you can't expect it to evolve into this. No, um, now, no. cars, of course, we're constructing cars. Like you can say cars evolve, but really, they just get a better idea and they build a better vehicle. It's not a, a true evolution. It's not something that grows organically. Right. But we're right. talking about like if, if humans had organically evolved to meet the needs of, of uh, again, of an accident, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the requirements to live during that accident. And, man, what they have come up with is just
2: totally bizarre. Yeah. You're, uh, folks, we hope that you do. Check out the video uh, that Scott mentioned at the top so you can get a closer look at this. But Patricia worked with uh, worked with a couple of experts, a collision expert named David Logan and a trauma surgeon named Christian Kenfield to uh, get a, a good understanding from first firsthand experience about what happens in the course of a collision, a car accident, you know. Like what kind of um, what kind of forces are involved? What are the the pain points or the most uh, vulnerable areas of the body yeah. in the course of an accident?
3: I gotta say I like the three people that have come together to create this. I, I think yes. that it's an, an interesting mix. You know, that it's a, it's an artist, a, a collision expert, and a and a trauma surgeon, and they were brought together by. Australia's transport. What was it? The Transport Accident Commission. I think TAC. Mm, mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Can I take just a a moment for a sidebar here? Yeah. I know we're just now getting into the uh, the whole Graham thing, but um, I got to tell you, Ben. I was I was looking up uh, this this TAC uh, um, organization, and they've got it. I think it's a well. It's been around since 1986. Mm -hmm. They've been doing ads on television since 1989, and it's kind of the thing uh, of this agency to. Kind of shock people with what with their ads, and I don't know if you've watched any of their other ads, but this this is uh, like a project, a safety campaign, uh, Mm -hmm. part of the TAC. This is like raising awareness. Yeah, Graham is, so it's going to be. We'll we'll talk about what Graham is doing later. But um, I went online and I was watching some YouTube videos of of, uh, you know some of these ads because people were saying, well, they're kind of shocking in in nature, Mm -hmm. and I saw some compilations. I saw one that I mean bet I don't know if I'm like overly emotional today or something, but <laughs> it choked me up a little bit. What? Yeah, it really did. It was, uh, it was shocking. It was a, it was a, um, a 20 year anniversary piece that they put together. It was an ad montage of, of, um, all the television ads that they had created. And it was done to the, uh, the REM song, Everybody Hurts. Oh, no. Real slow and, and methodical. But it was showing like, I mean, it was showing the accidents and, you know, everything that happens and leads up to it. But then it was like, you know, Telling the families that their loved ones have passed, or people, you know, meeting people at the at the accident scene, it was it was gripping. Oh wow! And, and then I started looking at individual ads, and I got to tell you, if you haven't seen any of the, any of the Australian TAC ads, they're extremely high quality. They're they're worth watching online. I mean, they're sobering, very sobering. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the message is is um, um, I don't know. It's, it's it's a it's a great message, but it's it's done in a way that uh, it'll, really, it'll kind of. Choke you up a bit, and uh, again, extremely high quality, almost like um, like feature film quality. Really, really well done. So, sorry for the sidebar on that, but uh, I, I apologize. But that's the group that brought these three individuals together, and uh,
2: wise move. Yeah, it's a wise move, and it's sort of disturbing. You know what it reminded me of, Scott? Have you, when you were a kid in high school, I guess junior or senior? I wonder if your school ever did the same thing, listeners. I know for sure that if you are living in the United States, this happened to you as well. What our local LEOs or law enforcement folks would do was they would bring to the school a car that was mangled in a crash, sometimes a fatal one. And that was their big deterrent, you know, for the kids who are going to be, I guess, drinking and driving or the kids who are just going to be racing or well you know sometimes
3: where i came from they would occasionally park a car out in front of the school like maybe during uh or the drag it there and lay it there um uh you know before homecoming or Uh before prom or something like that where they know that sometimes there's some underage drinking uh or just carelessness behind the wheel and it's a it's a again a sobering reminder of what can happen
2: and this is a similar approach and it is one that i would argue is effective uh especially Given that this is, this applies in particular to Australia, but I think it applies in general to the world. Um, we've talked a little bit about the, the vast road network of Australia. And we also examined, uh, one of, one of my favorite things, which were the road trains. Oh yeah. Um, which do check out that episode if you haven't yet. Um, it's amazing. It's the, imagine the longest tractor trailers. On the planet, which I think they are, yeah, uh, barreling through these these roads. I uh, I'm gonna actually go back and listen to that episode. But but the thing is, with such a car culture, collisions and accidents do happen, you know. And what they're raising awareness of in this project is the the vulnerability and how radically different we as human beings would have to look. To have odds of surviving a car crash.
3: Yeah, it's it's pointing out how fragile we are as humans, really, is what it's doing. Because you look nothing like Graham. Uh, yeah. Hopefully,
2: can we talk a little <laughs> bit about about yeah. what Graham looks well, like yeah, specifically? Yeah,
3: let's do that because there's what eight features I think here that are yeah. that are um, um, distinctively uh, well, they're distinctive.
2: Do you want to start at the top? Uh yeah, let's start right at the top. Because, All right. Uh,
3: well, you can go to the
2: uh, towards zero uh project site if you would like to see uh-huh. what, what
3: graham looks like.
2: Yeah, uh that's uh Graham like the cracker, dot M.com.au. So let's start at arguably the most human thing about humans, the brain. Graham is technically a human being. So that means that Graham's brain is going to be the same Sort of brain that you or I or anybody else other than maybe Albert Einstein would have. Right. <laughs> but the the package in which Graham's brain floats is radically different. So normal size brain. Uh huh. But
3: it's in this uh, this bucket size head.
2: It's, yes. It's huge. It's a gigantic head. It's a gigantic head. His uh, his shoulders to his head looks more like a slow curve of a hill, you know, rather mm. than. Almost goes
3: right down into his shoulders.
2: Exactly, it really does. Yeah. Uh, so, our brains are all pretty fragile things, and they float in uh, fluid, cerebrospinal fluid, and this this is supposed to protect our brain from day to day knocks and jolts, smacked on the head. You know, uh, maybe a, a cartoon situation where you hit yourself with a rake a frying pan whatever a frying pan yeah whatever what have you and I no, don't do that frying pan thing that uh, really hurts we're not recommending it <laughs> uh also the skull is the human skull is built to fracture upon impact uh to spread the force of an impact across so it's not specifically becoming a hole punched in your skull into your brain every time you get hit with something hmm. has or graham's skull his brain case has crumple zones essentially oh that 's cool, yeah, like these his his skull has these pockets it 's much much thicker than our skulls, and it has pockets that allow it to take more of a forceful hit, and uh it doesn 't fracture as easily
3: isn 't the brain suspended by ligaments as well so yes that, um uh, so that it's more of a, uh, a buffer zone, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, between the impact and the actual brain itself. I mean, you don't want the, the, uh, the trauma really to reach that. And, and so, I mean, right from the very beginning, uh, I it's, it's already making sense to me why they're designing it in this way, but it just looks so bizarre, Ben, when you see him.
2: Yeah, it does. Uh, this guy, for all our fans of metal listening, this guy's the ultimate headbanger. <laughs> Uh, because he he really can, his brain is, his brain is tied essentially to the inside of his, uh, of his cranial cavity yeah and his brain is in a safer place. So it doesn't, it won't move as much, but it's also much harder for an outside force to get to that impact. I keep almost smacking my fist against yeah. my hand because I'm thinking of impact. It's almost like he's wearing a helmet, but he's not wearing a helmet. Right. Yeah. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. But and so, it,
3: even, even more exaggerated than that, cause it's huge.
2: Mm-hmm. And, uh, since we we're talking about his brain, we started talking about his skull, we can naturally go to that, sure. right? Yeah. So we said that our, our skulls are designed to fracture, take the force from an impact and yeah. stop it from getting to the brain. Mm-hmm. Just like it's your skull is your natural helmet for, sure. for the real you, your yeah. brain. Uh, Graham's skull is, uh, Graham's skull looks like, If you saw it without the skin, it... And you can on the website. And you can on the website. You can see some neat cross-sections. Have have you guys heard of that ancient aliens show? Where they have, like, the the purported alien skills. Are you going to give any credibility to that show right now? I'm not ever going to give any credibility to that show. (laughs) That's good. That show is... That show actually makes things very difficult for people like me. I bet it does, yeah. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and your other show. On the other a, show, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Not not in my day-to-day life. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but he, he does have, like, a, a much... A, a- as Scott said, like a, a, an enlarged skull. Yeah. Large and, brain. Case.
3: And since we're right there, let's talk about his face. Because his face is different yeah. than a human face. And, uh, I wouldn't say it's very subtle either. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's completely surrounded by fatty tissue mm-hmm. that would absorb the impact. So, uh, you know, whatever his face comes into contact with, the, the steering wheel, the windshield, whatever it happens to be, um, it is, I would say semi-protected. I mean, the, the eyes are inset, uh, the, the, um, the sinuses are protected uh mm-hmm. looks like i can't tell from this view um looks like his lips still protrude a little bit but man i mean his face is really really fat and you'll understand when you see it um you know right. the, the idea behind this this type of design
2: his his lips do protrude a little bit but his uh his nose it it look is almost absent it's, it's dramatically reduced yeah he has uh sort of like those persian cats or some pugs you know it, it the part that would be protruding in his face, like the mouth and the nose, right? Our rudimentary snouts, absolutely buried in fat. Yeah. Flooded in fat. And his, and there's even more on the sides, on his temples and on his forehead. So his eyes are very much recessed. And this means that this guy in our current society is probably not going to win, you know, uh Mr. Universe or something, but it does mean that, he is protected from one of the biggest dangers in an accident that a lot of people don't think about, which would be shattering glass. Yeah,
3: yeah, and see the uh, and also he would be able to absorb the energy of an impact if his face were to come into contact with any kind of surface. So uh, the fat, um, it, again, sort of a crumple zone, but not as much as like the you know the, the bony skull would be. Uh, this is more of a soft tissue, uh, yeah. yeah, of course, fatty tissue, but. Um, yeah the idea is just that it's a it's a cushion really it's just a big mm-hmm. cushion for his face and imagine a face with a cushion all around it
2: right there. so he can if he gets an impact from a bunch of glass then it will only cut the fat but if he also gets hit by maybe an object in the car on the side of his head then it won't it, it won't be near as likely to you know break his jaw or his cheekbone or uh, something. another uh,
3: another thing that kind of compounds this or makes this even uh even more effective is that he doesn't have a neck there's no neck at all so nothing to protect no uh no you know no um uh, i guess uh the weak the weakest link i suppose in an accident usually Mm -hmm. is your neck i mean a lot of people even if just a a slight rear end accident uh you get whiplash a little bit you know you're because your your neck can't withstand well how what's it what's human headway this is one of those facts that i i always hear it's like eight or ten pounds i never yeah yeah, yeah i don't know the the right answer to that but I think average is somewhere around eight to ten pounds. Mm-hmm. Your neck and the, the muscles around your neck just simply aren't strong enough, and you can't prepare for something. I mean, if you don't see the car coming, if you don't, uh, um, you just can't hold it still.
2: Oh, I feel so, so. I feel so dumb, yeah. man. <laughs> I, tried, uh, I know you guys can't see this, but I'll go ahead and fess up to it. Uh, while Scott was talking about how much the neck, the human head weighs, I tried to see how heavy mine was, even though it's attached to my neck. I'm sorry, man. I interrupted. That's all right. No
3: problem. So, yeah. So with no neck, there's, there's again, no weakest link there. It's not going to uh, suffer the whiplash. It's not going to be an area that needs to be protected. Right. Uh, well, it, it kind of is, I mean, with the item that we'll talk about next, which is the ribs.
2: Right, yeah, and this this is a great way to segue in because you say, oh, he doesn't have a neck. What does he have? He just has an extended rib cage that goes all the way up right against his skull, which means that he can't do some things that we take for granted, like... Look it, left or right. Yes, yeah. <laughs> He has to move his whole body, and he's very, he's a very top heavy, very top heavy lad. Um, but if you think about it, that's not inconceivable because his throat will still be able to work, right? It'll sure. just have this uh, tissue and this rib cage around it, and his spine will still be the same spine. It will just have these outgrowths. So although this seemed to me the second craziest adaptation. Because the other ones are like thicker bones, some ligaments, a lot of fat, right? Yeah. Uh, but this seemed to be one of the most radical and it doesn't seem as crazy as it might at first glance, you know? Well it doesn't it doesn't
3: end there either. I mean you mm-hmm. say that it it goes all the way to his skull. Yeah. So you can imagine that the shape of his upper torso is like a barrel. It's like a a barrel chested person. Yeah, you've you've all seen it, it. a barrel chested person. Uh, you understand what that means. So he's able to withstand greater impacts just because of that size, but his torso also, it, it's not like, like armor, like we, uh, like we think of, um, um, you know, like the bony plating. It's mm-hmm. more like air, an airbag.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because,
3: because they've also built into, uh, in between each of his ribs are, um, well, I think it is fluid, right? It's sacks, I guess. Yeah, sacks of,
2: I, this is so gross. Yeah, sacks of fluid that are in between his ribs that act as a cushion. And they have, um, they have these little slits. They're like these bulbous things protruding from his rib cage. Uh-huh. And they each have a little slit in the middle that looks kind of like a belly button or maybe a nipple, more like a an innie belly button. Yeah. And what they're, what they're designed to do, just like you were saying, Scott, is to absorb impact uh, rather than deflect it like armor what they're what they're doing is when there is an impact like say uh, a steering wheel for instance right mm-hmm. uh when when that impact occurs and it hits these fluid filled sacks, they excrete this fluid oh gross, yeah out of the little belly button things and uh it looks like there are about ten in total uh which is ten too many for me, frankly.
3: So it'd be like squeezing a, like a balloon with jelly in it or something, <laughs> you know, that has an open end because it would all yeah. come out that end. And then I wonder, I, I mean, I guess some of these things aren't answered, I suppose, but I wonder, this, this must like a rep- replenish itself after an event. Right. And I also wonder about the bony, uh, structure in the skull, too. Like, you know, once that crumple zone is used in the, in the skull... Right, how do how, you fix it? How long does that take to regenerate itself, if it does? I mean, I've I got questions like that. Yeah, too.
2: and how intricate is the healing process? Because, again, this would be, as we know, when a bone is fractured or broken, you have to take certain steps to make sure that it sets correctly. And sure. this seems like this would be a level of magnitude more complicated because of the intricacy of sure, the zones. If it
3: didn't set correctly, then it wouldn't be as effective the next time it
2: was required to be used. So, exactly. Uh,
3: yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's Graham like, uh, would still
2: have to be a careful driver.
3: <laughs> you know, he still would because some of these things, it, it kind of feels like you get one shot at some of these
2: things. But yeah. maybe maybe
3: that's not the case. I mean, like
2: airbag style,
3: again, right? This is all, you know, this is just, uh, you know, thought thought process. Thought so, yeah. yeah, so uh, the next thing is the skin. I mean, the overall coverage of skin on this and this whole being, yeah. is is thicker and tougher, so that um, it's not um, as apt to get uh, abrasions. In an it be
2: it'd be tough to scrape Graham. Yeah,
3: so you know, in an, in a even a minor fender bender, you get your hands get cut up, and you know, you get some nicks and cuts on your face, mm-hmm. and um, just just abrasions from the seat belts and you know, whatever else happens. So, and this
2: is particularly important uh, for people who are biking, like bikers, uh, you know. Have very little protection between themselves and the road if something goes south. Sure, yeah. So
3: I can't imagine this guy on a bike though.
2: I don't know if his center of gravity would be suited for that. No, he would have to. He'd have to
3: redesign the bike in order to make make it work for this. He, it's such an unusual being or thing. He could sculpture, do. He I could guess. do
2: like a trike.
3: Yeah, because you know we haven't really said that. This is like this, he's like a sculpture right now. Yeah, right? this, I mean, is, this a, is
2: a this is a real sculpture you can see. If you visit this part of the world. Yeah, sure. All right. He's, he's touring. He's touring. Yeah. (laughs)
3: Yeah. All right. So beyond the skin, there's also, okay, we're getting into some more interesting things here too. Knees. Now his knee, can you imagine that knees take a lot of, uh, a lot of abuse during Mm -hmm. even again, small, Fender-bender type things. You know, your your knees hit the underside of the dash. Sure. Um, you know, they get broken. Um, uh-huh. They, legs get crushed or pushed into uh, mm-hmm. areas that they're not supposed to be pushed into when when an accident happens. Or bent a way that nature did not intend. Exactly. And so that's why his knees have movement in all directions. That is so
2: weird, so I've, freaky. Yeah, I bet he could really cut it up on the dance floor. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, how long have you been waiting for that one? <laughs>
3: Yeah, if you imagine if your knees could bend in every direction. How crazy would that be? I mean, I, man, I wonder if he'd be like a super fast ice skater or something. Yeah, you know? like would he that
2: I, I, I don't know. It'd Be kind of strange. Like would he could just uh he could do like roundhouse kicks without moving <laughs> the rest of his body. This is so strange. Okay, so it's really I know we're laughing
3: a lot, but you have to see this this thing in order to understand. fort his knees are also fortified with extra tendons yeah. to give it added or, or even additional flexibility.
2: So what a crazy design that is, but very smart. And this is really important in side impact uh, situations oh, like T-bones and stuff. Good point. Right? Because your our knees cannot bend uh, in the direction. Like if you are in the driver's seat of your vehicle and you are struck on the driver's side, then... Your depending on what part of the world you're in, your left or your right knee is uh, in very, very high danger of shattering because it, it can't move any other way except for front and back. And so Graham's knees, however, are probably just going to sort of swing over <laughs> in the direction opposite of the impact. Yeah, I mean, I got to
3: tell you, though, the side impacts are just so violent. If you've ever seen any of the... Um, uh you know the safety films the ones that show the side impacts you know crash tests that are done in a lab Yeah Oh man they're violent and really the the speeds when you look at the speeds you will not believe how low the speeds are when you see the severity of the accident you mm-hmm. you would think that the car is going 80 miles an hour but it's not it's like it's usually between 25 and 35 miles per hour Right and it really really um intrudes into the cabin area of of the vehicle that is is you know um the one that gets the the impact in the side door Uh, it's, it's a severe accident. So it would be really, really beneficial to have things like knees Mm -hmm. that can bend in any direction in order Uh, to prevent that. Of course, no neck because your neck, uh, a lot of times the person's head ends up going through the side window. Uh, you know, and Mm -hmm. you can imagine what that does to your neck and your spine. Yeah. It's just, it's it's an unbelievably violent wreck. So yeah. And we've got one more, um, I guess adaptation that he has or one more, um, enhanced piece of design on, on Graham here that we've talked about. This is the
2: weirdest one. This I, is the one that I'm not quite sold on. Really? I, no, I thought you would really like this one. I, I, like, on a personal level, I love it. Between you and me, buddy, if I had to choose any of Graham's adaptations, I would choose this one, but it's, it's a little bit fanciful, which I know sounds weird in reaction to all the other, the other seven we talked about. Here's the thing. The other seven adaptations are specifically designed to withstand a collision, an impact event of some sort.
0: You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack slack is where work happens with all your people data and information in one ai powered place start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites or build an automation with workflow builder to take routine tasks off your plate no coding required grow your business in slack visit slack.com to get started
1: if you use paper you're a human but if you choose paper you're a paper
3: This is a little bit different. This is almost like uh, preventative, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it gives him a, an appearance. It, it's below his knees, um, and we're talking about his legs and feet. So the legs below the knees and his feet, and they almost look like hooves.
2: Yeah, they look like uh, goat feet. And the, the
3: reason is there's an extra joint in there. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's an extra joint that gives him a, I'll, I'll just quote this, a spring-loaded jump. If he needs to remove himself from the situation altogether,
2: so he can essentially jump like a frog or a cricket or the Incredible Hulk, uh, he can. That's crazy, isn't it? I thought of the cricket thing too as soon yeah. as I
3: saw this. It's it's so strange. Like it, it's almost like um, he could just be standing there and just spring right out of the like uh, right out of the frame. You know, you right. wouldn't
2: see him. Right. He would redefine uh, the long jump in the Olympics, pole vaults, <laughs> anything, uh, because he has so much jumping force. And if you look at his feet, um, it looks like he has really tiny actual feet, where his toes are. Uh, it almost looks as though the heel of his foot is extended up between his calves and the area behind his yeah, shins. Yeah,
3: like a foot up from there. It's, yeah. it's so
2: bizarre. It's really, really strange
3: looking foot area. So, uh, give that a look if you uh, if you, you happen across the website too. And I, I don't know. That's a, that's really a strange thing. But the mm. the idea is that if he's a pedestrian. Mm-hmm. or uh, you know whatever i guess walking down the road and then a, a car is approaching him, that, that he can you know jump out of the way of the car uh, how often does that really happen that you get that much notice right um, you know that, that much leeway uh that you would be able to react like that because i've heard of people though if they know they're going to be struck by a vehicle they they do give a little bit of a hop and it's mm-hmm. supposedly a good tactic in that you'll roll over the hood and into the but the other side is that you might go through the windshield yeah um there, there's positives and negatives to this this tactic and i guess you have to kind of weigh the situation you know if it's a flat front end of an old volvo maybe versus uh something that's a little more aerodynamic and has more of a curved hood again again ben you don't have a chance to react to that kind of stuff that's like the that. thing
2: you have to be you, you'd have to be so quick mentally to think of this yeah know?
3: yeah you really would and uh, again i it's just a, a, um, a thought, exp- an experiment, I guess, a design experiment, but, um, it's an interesting idea. I just yeah. don't know if that's, it's probably the least practical of all the ones that we, that we talked about here.
2: Yeah. Let's also emphasize this. Just if anyone has any concerns, Graham is not by any means a real person. And there are, uh, to Scott and I's knowledge, no plans whatsoever to make a person like Graham. Is it
3: genetically engineer a human to, to look like this?
2: Yeah, I think that would be insanely cruel. Yeah. Uh will there be genetic engineering in the future for something like astronauts or maybe even extreme rescue scenarios? Maybe? I don't know, but that's that may as well be science fiction at this point. You watch South Park? I do watch South Park. You
3: do you remember they have the, uh, there's a genetic scientist, or at least in the early episodes, there was a genetic scientist that was in a kind of a crazy, like, castle up on a hill in a spooky place. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, were, this goes way back in South Park's history, like, way at the, at the, in the early days. But um, the uh, genetic engineer, he was always making and his big his big thing, right? Like, whenever they'd, they'd, they'd display his inventions, which were things. Uh-huh. He would always reveal it and be like, "Behold the four-assed monkey," <laughs> and they're like, "Okay, that's really interesting. Like, if, why, why did you make it?" <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "Behold the four-assed toad," and like everything had <laughs> four, four butts. Four butts. Was, yeah. <laughs> and of course, it's South Park humor, so that's right. Uh, that's good, but it was funny anyway. So I doubt that anything like this will ever come around, and if it if it does, it's going to be like an Island of Doctor Moreau type uh, mm-hmm. situation where it's completely illegal. Yeah, um, and and really spooky science fiction type stuff but it, it won't but um, mm-hmm. fascinating character it's an interesting design study and if you're in that part of the world like Ben said mm-hmm. you can go and visit Graham he's touring mm-hmm. uh, as part of uh, um, again the uh, the transport accident Commission's um, show I guess their, their safety campaign so you can see that you can you can check out the website which Ben mentioned earlier which is the uh, the meetgram com au site
2: mm-hmm.
3: and uh, and get an idea of all these features that we talked about today and uh, maybe even a, a close up look inside of him because it's kind of like an x
2: ray vision. Three- yeah, like a cutaway thing.
3: Yeah, like a cutaway and a 360 Ooh. view. And um, really interesting. He's just an interesting character.
2: So here is, here's uh, another question. Okay. Would you take these adaptations? Would you be okay with having this physical appearance if it meant that your chances of surviving not just a car collision, but almost any impact were so much higher? Yeah, me neither. I, I spend a lot of time not getting hit by things. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and also, we've got stuff like uh, what I'm about to share with you. Here. Yes.
3: Volvo, as of early this year, in uh, in January of this year, has promised deathproof cars by 2020. Now, that's a bold statement to make, and I feel like we might have mentioned this already on a Nuts and Bolts podcast. We won't go too in-depth into this stuff right now, because uh, it's really it's pretty it's a, again it's a bold statement, and you can never ever account for everything i mean there's yeah. always going to be a situation where someone is going to die in that car in that product somehow uh mm-hmm. we've seen it recently with the the Tesla um what is it the auto steer versus autopilot thing mm-hmm. that uh that is causing a lot of controversy and um I've talked about it with Jonathan on his show yeah and it's going to happen again. Of course it will. There's going to be a, a new set of circumstances that the engineers just haven't uh, you know, prepared for. Right. Um, it, unfortunately, it's going to happen again. I'm sure it will. It's just that was the first. And I bet you anything that that's probably not the first human fatality in a Tesla Model S either. It's just this was the first one that happened under the auto steer, uh, um, uh, I, I guess, when, when you were using that application.
2: Yeah, and the problem is, you know, with any... With any new technology that involves this kind of stuff, it's very, very vulnerable to being shut down in its infancy because the public is skeptical and rightly so. Uh, but Volvo, famous makers of the safest cars mm-hmm. ever. Uh, if anyone can make a, um, a death proof car, then it's probably going to be these guys.
3: Oh yeah. I, I think that if, if, if it's possible, if it's possible, these well, are the ones the that thing. are going to do it. But here's the thing, Ben, we've, and we've, I know we've mentioned this before. Now, one quick thing before we get to this, mm.
4: though,
3: we had an episode on deathproof cars back in 2009, yeah. and a lot of that information has changed because this is seven years on now. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know the, this uh, this boasting that they're going to have a, a deathproof vehicle from Volvo in 2020 that's all new. So that's that's new information. But right now, as of uh, you know, this is current um, it, information that came out. Early last year. Yeah. Um, maybe I shouldn't say it's current. It's, it's the latest, I guess, in this. We, we won't know until probably much later in this year mm-hmm. if it's, if it still holds true. But uh, at the time of the writing, this writing, which was in January of 2015, there were nine vehicles on the road that had zero driver deaths. And that's, a, that's important to note. I mean, how they say that it's zero it's a driver, driver deaths. deaths. Now, I don't know if that means that passengers have, you know, died or what I, i'm it, not sure exactly or what pedestrians that
2: means. and it certainly means that people were injured it,
3: exactly but there were nine vehicles that are on the road that were in a kind of a one or a nine-way tie i guess for the first place mm-hmm. and you want me to read them yeah please do uh, the audi a uh, the audi a4 honda odyssey which is a well, really yep really i had to bring it up uh the kia sorento lexus rx 350 mercedes-benz gl class the subaru legacy toyota highlander and Toyota Sequoia and then the Volvo X C ninety. Those were all uh they all have um zero overall driver deaths per million registered vehicle years. That's how they that's the stat that I was I looking for earlier. Remember? Yeah,
2: yeah, because we have to have that measurement over time and distance. And w- oh, oh last thing. Yeah.
3: Just so we're clear on this, too, this this is uh, right around the 2011 model year. So you see how these numbers trickle in so slow. We, yeah. we talk about this all the time that mm-hmm. you don't ever get the current year information until a couple of years later, several years later. So we're battling that, too, with our staff. Massive
2: amounts of data to crunch. Yeah. Also, uh, it, it sounds like at least one of those numbers is wrong. Which one? The Any involving the Honda Odyssey. Why is that? Because... Because they're obviously cooking the books man <laughs> Of course they all are. the way to the top Of course there yeah I can't a, wait you would really do that to me on a, air a serious conspiracy <laughs> Well it's a, it, it's uh
3: well I guess it was maybe just listed alphabetically I mean we could have put that do, down to the bottom of uh, of the list of the nine
2: It's a corrupt outfit <laughs> yeah. Scott Benjamin No I'm I'm kidding I'm kidding I am kidding long longtime listeners as you guys know I am still working through uh, some uh some personal conflicts with Honda Odysseys mm-hmm. but if you are safe in a vehicle then that is the most important thing
3: yeah and you know what i feel like we should do another show on uh maybe this goal of getting to zero deaths in vehicles you know that that um yeah a lot of these uh these groups or um manufacturers even mm-hmm. have decided that that's the way they want to move is they're going to try to get to zero traffic related fatalities in their vehicles and and it's, i mean it, it's a great idea But again, how are they going to do that? How are they going to, how are they going to account for everything? How are they going to account for the guy that drives off the edge of a bridge into the water? How are they going to account for someone who drives right into a wildfire?
2: Right. How are they going to account for in the future malfunctioning autonomous systems? You know, the, the thing is that at this point, no matter how well it is planned out or how many variables are accounted for, at this point, no one knows how many other variables are actually out there? Ben,
3: you may remember this about a summer or two ago uh, here mm-hmm. in Atlanta. There was a situation where two semi trucks came down onto the road from overhead. Uh, you know, oh they yeah, off, yeah. Crashed off the road. One went completely across the roadway. Another one ended up stuck on the embankment. Um, I saw kind of the aftermath of this whole thing. I didn't. I wasn't there when it happened or anything, and it was, it was terrible. I don't think. I think it, it. I think it didn't hit anybody. It was like a clean swipe through there without without injuring anybody really um, other than some cuts and bruises and stuff like that but um how would you account for a semi landing on top of a, a car you can't it's just something that's one of those variables that they're never ever going to be able to predict for
2: yeah it's one of the the dark lotteries of human circumstance yeah I mean to, to claim that it's going to be absolutely
3: 100 death proof I, I just don't know how that's possible
2: it's noble maybe it's a uh... Reach for the stars so you land in the clouds kind of thing. But, uh, they do have, they do have a lot of street cred behind this and a lot of people that you could imagine easily dismissing this are hearing them out. And there was an excellent line in, uh, article from CNN, uh, where they said that assuming that you're not a suicidal maniac or a total idiot in four years, you'll be safer driving a new Volvo than you are climbing a ladder to screw in a light bulb. Hmm. It sounds great. But whether or not an actual death-proof car exists or ever, you know, comes into production, the drive to do this is fundamental, and it is currently one of the guiding processes behind all automotive innovation, even the stuff, honestly, man, even the stuff that comes from military applications or racing that later makes its way into the civilian world. Uh, safety is key, and, and, you know, neither of us are particularly enthusiastic about this this big uh, hoopla of uh, autonomous vehicles and all the people who are like advocates for it saying, well, one day all the vehicles are going to be autonomous in the world. I don't know if that's going to happen. Or if it does, I don't know if it's going to happen as soon as people would like to think it is. But I can promise you that will not necessarily mean that cars are going to be death-proof.
3: No, because of all the situations that we just talked about, mm. right? That's still going to happen. So, uh, it's, it, again, it's just a, it's a really bold claim. It's an interesting claim. And there's numbers, you know, for uh, the best cars and the worst cars on the road right now as far as, uh, you know, driver deaths go. And uh, we've got a lot of stats and figures that we could go through. So it seems like that's another podcast altogether, really. But mm. it, I felt that it, it fit pretty well with today's topic, which was, uh, was this, this crazy sculpture, Graham, <laughs> and, uh, and I'd, I'd like to go see him in person, but also he's, he's pretty creepy, man. Like, he's mm-hmm. a, I don't know if it would be, um, it'd be a little, little bit unnerving to be face to face with, uh, with, with this character.
2: Yeah. It would be like meeting one of the, um, early humans that were not Homo sapiens, like a Neanderthal or something. Yeah. Like, I know we're similar. You know, here's the thing, though.
3: I feel like this is the guy that I always sit behind at every sporting event. Because <laughs> look at the size of his head. You see that? See that head? I always, always, like at the movies, at the, yeah. at, at uh, like a football game or whatever, baseball game. I yeah. sit behind the guy with the melon head every time.
2: I can see you having a Larry David moment oh, about I, that. I do. I do <laughs> it, it, it. It
3: happens often. You know, it's like uh, it's worse than having a big hat in front of you because the guy can't even take the hat off. It's just mm-hmm. a, it's a giant head. So it's it's a lot like that when I see this guy, but I I also think like it's interesting you know that he's got all these safety things you know all these like safety features and enhancements and everything. But, yeah. But <laughs> did anybody think about this? He can't turn his head left or right. Right. So he's sitting in the driver's seat, buckled in, presumably right, mm-hmm. and and he can't really effectively. Look to, you know, to turn, to, to change lanes. Be aware
2: of his surroundings. Yeah. I mean,
3: your mirrors would have to be exactly precise and, and, and maybe even additional mirrors. But then also the way his eyes are so sunken in with the fat all around them. Yeah. It's almost like they're forcing tunnel vision on this thing. I mean, that he,
2: he won't even have uh, very good peripheral vision, really. I think he would have to be a passenger, <laughs> actually. <laughs> Isn't that terrible that he would be specifically adapted to be the safest living human in a car, but he, is not fit to drive it. He'd have to give up control. He'd have to sit in the back, man. Yeah. Or maybe shotgun. He could sit in shotgun, I guess. Well, sure, I guess if there's room. I mean, he's got that, <laughs> he's got, he's got that enormous torso.
3: I mean, that's the other thing is that, you know, here's the thing. We, we're we talking about, you know, not adapting the car to meet humans. We're talking about adapting the human to meet the cars. But then the size that he ends up being and the shape that he ends up being, mm-hmm. I think a seatbelt, a standard seatbelt, sure, that, that probably would work. He's got enough of a shoulder there, just barely. I yeah. think of a shoulder but think about the design of a current vehicle he he really wouldn't fit in a in a normal seat. He's no. he's enormous. He's got a, he's got this
2: really weird shape to him. He would have to be he would definitely have to be in a larger vehicle. Yeah. Um maybe like an SUV with a bench seat. Oh, well see that's
3: the that's the top 9 vehicles on our list here of yeah. uh, safest vehicles too. Yeah. So uh maybe there's something to that, you know that uh they know that either way I mean I I guess he's going to have
2: to be in a big vehicle. Yeah, you can't uh, squeeze him in those captain chairs. <laughs> And also, you know what we're seeing here is one artist's conception, a what if question, right but the what's happening in reality is that the technology that drives everyone's automobile is evolving at a rapid pace, and the car that you would buy today is going to be um almost a different species of vehicle yeah. in comparison to the car that someone born today would buy when they became 16.
3: Exponentially safer.
2: Exponentially safer, probably exponentially more expensive. In the future, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, who knows if they're able to drive it themselves. I hope they are, because I think that is a fundamental coming-of-age ritual. But uh, for now... We are going to keep our eyes peeled, our ears to the ground, and we're pretty good at keeping a lookout because our next turn, uh, so we will keep you updated on the evolution of the death-proof car, which has a fascinating thing, and I think we're going to hear more and more from Volvo as they get closer to this.
3: I just thought of another thing Graham couldn't do. What's that? He couldn't put his ears to the ground. It's like he has no ears. There oh, no, like he a, just
2: has these ear holes. It's
3: almost like holes, and I don't even know if he can get his head close enough to the ground, the, the way he's shaped.
2: Mm-hmm. That's need, true.
3: Might need some assistance to get back up.
2: Yeah, I don't know how good he would be at actually walking, either. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. He's good at jumping. Well, we have questions. We have <laughs> question, We have uh, more questions than answers with uh, Graham the Crash Proof Man, but we also have listener mail. <laughs> All right, Scott, this is a recent one that came to CarStuff's Facebook page. You can follow us. We're HSW, and uh, Scott has some amazing posts on there all the time. And it comes to us from Nick Sandor Fabian. And Nick says, hey, I just started listening to your podcast recently, and I think it's great. There are a lot of episodes, though, and I heard the one on stick shift and was wondering if you have an episode on dual clutch like I have in my Hyundai Veloster. Ah,
3: so it's got an automatic transmission with a dual clutch. We have not really talked about the inner workings of automatic transmissions in a long time.
2: Yeah, we did stuff on manual transmission.
3: Yeah, I think we did. And uh, we I'm sure we touched on automatic sometime in the past, but uh, mm. but not likely on dual clutch technology. I mean, there's a there's a ton of variations of automatic transmissions out there right now that really like really cutting edge stuff really really good stuff i mean a lot of people are opting now for automatic over manual transmissions in sports cars and sometimes they're not even available in some sports cars which uh, you know imagine 15 20 years ago that never would have been the case would have been the opposite it would be you can't get an automatic in there but now they're um now they're not only offered they're the only thing offered and sometimes they're um well if they offer both Sometimes the automatic is maybe the better choice if you're looking for like shifting speed and mm-hmm. um, well, and, and yeah.
2: optimal timing. But yeah. the thing is, yeah, it's so weird because for decades before now, um, getting a getting a sports car, high performance vehicle with an automatic transmission was like getting a steak well done. (laughs) They
3: they don't call it a slush box for no reason. (laughs) I mean, it was, it was a different animal back then. For sure. And, and now, and I know there were, there were good examples of of automatic transmissions back then too, but, Mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, not anything like what they are now. So yeah, we maybe we should maybe uh, we'll look
2: into that. We haven't done some transmission stuff in a yeah, while. Yeah, some
3: some new transmissions and and talk about really some of the benefits of uh, of automatic versus manual and and
2: the new the, tech coming out. Yeah, like
3: why you might opt for one over the other.
2: Yeah. So thanks so much for uh, checking out the show, Nick, even more so for uh, writing to us. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to take a page from Nick's book, uh, you can contact us. We are on Twitter uh, and CarStuffHSW there as well. Uh, you can go on our Twitter and Facebook to check out some stories or to ask us questions, uh, see some behind-the-scenes stuff, and... If you would like to check out some past episodes that we mentioned earlier in the program today, you are in luck. You can visit our website, carstuffshow.com, and check out not one, not even 200 or 300, the way that iTunes cuts it off, but every single podcast Scott and I have ever done fruit.
3: we are above 750 at this point i think we're uh ballpark i'm gonna get ballpark yeah, this about yeah. 760 Ball somewhere around there
2: smokes yeah we're getting up there all right well let's let's aim for a thousand yeah <laughs> yes let's do it and uh if you have a suggestion for an upcoming episode if you have a story about deathproof cars or a reaction to Graham the crash proof man Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us directly. We are
3: CarStuff at HowStuffWorks.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com.
2: This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes.
1: Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com.
4: So, should we go electric?
0: I think we should go electrified with Toyota.
4: Electrified?